Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Tate and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome to the 47th episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports with me, Robert Taylor. I'm your host, but my co-host, the Commish, he's got the computer out. He's got his cell phone stand back. He is ready to dish on the dogs tonight, and what an episode we have for you because we have, from the University of Georgia, we have spotter Chris Giovanni. He's the guy up in the booth. Next to Scott Howard, week in and week out, calling dogs games, and we've got him on the line now, and we're going to get him on, and we are going to talk season preview with the University of Georgia Bulldogs going for a three-peat. And uh, without further ado, Mr. Chris Giovanni. Chris, how are you doing this evening, my man? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we are excited for Saturday because uh, that's going to be an easy 60, I think, for Georgia against UT Martin. But uh, I first want to thank you for coming on and lending some credibility to our little podcast here as we work our way into becoming an Atlanta sports juggernaut. But first and foremost, I introduced you already, and I told everybody you were a spotter for Georgia football, and and some people are probably going, oh, what's that? So tell everybody exactly what you do and and maybe kind of also walk us through what a game day is like for you and and Scott Howard and the rest of the gang, getting, getting fired up to bring everybody their Georgia football over the airwaves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so first and foremost, I am a spotter. Uh, so what that looks like is everyone tries to uh, figure out how the how the broadcaster knows who made that play so fast, right? So we've got uh, me and Hondo on either side of them. Uh, Hondo does the Georgia depth chart. I've got the opposing team's depth chart. And what it looks like, it's just a, a big board uh, that's usually about three or four deep. Um, and... I uh, point to the player that makes the play so that Scott knows exactly who caught the ball, who made the tackle, who caught the fumble, who made the fumble, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's how Scott knows, you know, right off the bat, who made the play or who was involved in the play. As far as what else I do on a game day, I'm also uh, an assistant to Adam Gillespie, uh, the road dog. Um, so what we do is we've got in-game sponsors, right? You'll hear all the time, that's Scanna Energy First Down. I've got to tell Scott, hey, uh, do scan an energy first day out, right? I'm handing him cards the whole time so that he gets those in-game sponsors in. Uh, so that's pretty much like what in-game looks like. Absolutely. I, I did that on the minor league level for uh, North Cobb High School. I did some spotting and some color work, and I got to sit in the booth at a, a couple of Owls games 
uh, in the there you go. with a with an old uh, broadcast partner. He has since moved on. He's now the the guy at the Citadel. But that's beside the okay. point. Uh, what we're going to talk about now, and I guess I'm I'm just going to go all in right now. Uh, so here's our story. Uh, Chris right. and I share a mutual friend. His name's Donnie Gwaltney. He owns Gustin's Grill and Tap. And and Donnie uh, sends me a picture one night with this gigantic Georgia National Championship ring on. And I said, where the hell did you get that? And he goes, oh, man, there's this guy that comes in here. He's great. His name's Chris Giovanni. You probably know his dad. And I said, okay, is his dad who I think it is? And he goes, yep. And I said, okay, that's awesome. And he said, well, I told, I told him about your podcast. And I said, cool, man, maybe I can get him on sometime. And I just happened to yep. be in Augustine's on a Sunday night, and you came in, and uh, it was a school night, and I said, man, I've got to be up for my IT job. I said, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm drinking some beers with this cat. Then we end up over at Donnie's house with, with a fire and a yep. bunch of music, and I stayed out way yep. too late, but we got you on the show. <laughs> but while we were hanging out that night, I, I said, Chris, you think Georgia's going to three-peat? And you said, absolutely. Without, I do think that. Without question. Yep. Now, a lot of people uh, could could spout off a lot of different reasons why they think Georgia's going to do it, but we want to know here on Believe in Atlanta Sports why you think Georgia's going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. First, we, before we get into that, uh, if you haven't been to Gus since uh, any of your listeners, you got to get out there. Uh, it's it's an awesome place, awesome food, awesome vibe. Uh, and you've got to get back up there, Rob, because I've got another ring on my shelf that i got to show you. I know. I was yes, really hoping. the other week. You got to come see the second one. <laughs> I was really hoping we could get you in studio, but uh, I hope the new couch worked out fine. I don't know, mate. Did you go pick it up? Because I know it was raining today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it hasn't started raining yet over here. Uh, we're in Woodstock, so we're a little bit more east of you. Uh, no, it hasn't, it hasn't started raining uh, yet. Uh, but no, I, I totally expect them to, to win it all again this year. Uh, you know, it's a fairly light schedule, but let's be honest, it's, it's light because the teams in the East suck. They do. Like, it's not it's not the gauntlet that we used to have to run through. You know, we used to look at the schedule and go, oh, man, we have to play Tennessee, Florida, and Bama. Like, we, don't, we don't do that anymore, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of home games. And let's be honest, there's only one on the calendar that we have circled this year, and it's, and it's Tennessee. Uh, I think even with a loss to Tennessee, which I don't think happens, uh, UGA ends up in the SEC championship game. And the only scenario that they don't get into the playoffs is if they lose the Tennessee game and lose the SEC championship game. But I could see them being undefeated, heading to Atlanta, and, you know, losing that game, maybe winning that game, it doesn't matter, we still get in like we did two years ago. Absolutely. And and the one thing that I would say is, uh, you know, we got a guy named Bowers coming back. We got a guy named McConkie coming back. We've got some transfer receivers coming back. Our five leading tacklers on defense. Coming back. We got a guy named yep. Bowers that's uh, very interested in running the football this year to help out his teammate. <laughs> I did hear that. Chris, I did. Well, you know, we had him. Nice to meet you, by the way. Hey, nice to meet you, too. You know, we had Bowers, uh, what was that, a Kent State game where he opened it up with a sweep oh, yeah. uh, and ran it all the way in. So, yeah, I mean, he, he can do everything. He is, he is amazing to watch. And it, it's going to be sad to see him go because he'll probably leave after this year. Maybe he'll end up on the Green Bay Packers. Who knows? That'd be the best place where he can go. He's used to logo. <laughs> and it is worth noting that Mr. Shivani here uh, is a Green Bay fan. He's not a fan of the Falcons, but we're still going to try to invite him out to the Bird Gang tailgate because I, I think we may have the Packers at home this year. And we do. It's we September do. 17th. 
Thanks for your I will be there. Yeah, because first of all, I got to tell you, we have the uh, Mark's friend, uh, Mr. Jamie Sellers. I have not met him yet. I'm going to meet him this year because yeah. I finally am out of the restaurant business and can go down to the stadium on uh, Sundays. But he's uh, he's from New Zealand. Am I right, Mark? He's he's from New Zealand. He's a New Zealand. Certainly is. So he has these wings, uh, and I think he got like these secret salts and spices from some little uh, hobbit village in New Zealand, and he puts them on the wings, and, and they're, I'm, I'm yeah. telling you. They're killer. If Donnie ever gets right. up, he's going to try to sell them in his restaurant. And, and I think he has, there you go. Had, have, has had them. Um, but so I guess, uh, you know, Mar- I know Mark's got some questions, so I'm going to turn it over to him. And, and, I, and I know uh, he's going to drill you pretty hard on uh, some all things Georgia. All right. I'll see what I can do. Well, lucky, lucky for us, it's uh, it's episode 47, which is now now going to be the David Pollock episode because – David Pollock decided to tell everybody he thought Georgia was turning into a dynasty, and they rewarded him by kicking him off the game day cast. And now everybody, <laughs> now everybody on game day thinks Alabama's going to win everything again. So uh, I guess all's right in the four letter network world. But uh, I too believe uh, that we are on a path in uh, uh, back to the national championship game, at least for certain to the playoff. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, week East, and you know. I don't even think it would have mattered if we kept Oklahoma on the schedule instead of Ball State. I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with anything. And we do have an extremely favorable schedule this year. And, you know, we're, we're setting up for a very difficult schedule next year. Uh, right. But either way, I, um, I, you being so close to the program, uh, I just wanted to first, um, super, super sad to hear about Branson Robinson being out for the year. I've been I've been huge on this guy since I heard about him, and I heard every everybody's been comparing him to Nick Chubb his entire time in high school. I was just amped up about him coming to UGA, and he gets there, and then I was at the national championship game watching him get in as a true freshman and doing what he did at the end of the game. Granted, we beat the dog shit out of TCU, but like just for him being able to get in that game. And just looking, watching what he was doing, I was like, man, I can't wait to see that in full force next year. And then sure enough, the injury bug bites. And I just, I hate it for him. Um, but I also want to know what your thoughts are on our running back situation. Milton a little banged up. Um, I don't know why I'm trying. Uh, Edwards a little little banged up. I don't think anything too serious for either either of them. We got Paul coming back. Andrew Paul, who I was excited to see last year, he's coming back. Uh, do you think we're going to see any of uh, Roderick Robinson? Uh, but really, just uh, from an insider's perspective, what are your thoughts on the running yeah. back room with Branson Robinson going down? Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it's definitely a concern, right? Uh, losing Robinson um, and having Kendall Milton a little a little banged up as well. But listen, this isn't the Georgia team of old where we've needed – you know, two horses at running back. If you look, they spread that ball out real evenly. Uh, a buddy of mine asked me the other day, he said, hey, uh, Georgia just lost the top running back. How do you feel? I said, we've got like 10 other. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got Roderick Robinson who's coming in this year, Kendall Milton, like you said, Paul, uh, Dejan, Cash, uh, Savon Clark. Like, there's so many guys back there, and a lot of those guys have already had playing time. You know, so yeah, it's it's a huge you know gut punch, but 
man, I, they spread the ball out so much. There's not really like the, you know, remember when Todd Gurley, Sony and Chubb would go at it. It was like, well, we need those guys that were screwed. Right. We don't, we don't need anybody like that anymore just because of how dynamic this offense is. And that's, that's fair enough with, with an offensive line like that, you, you and I could probably run through the holes that they provide for everybody. Um, I would, I also did not – I felt bad for Branson. I was not worried as a Georgia fan. Um, but I just yeah. – I wanted somebody to reassure me because no matter how many of these <laughs> we win in a row, Rob and I still have that little guy on our shoulder telling us, you know, remember what it used to be like. Don't get too uh, don't get too cocky about what you got going on. Um, but yeah, I, I, felt, I felt the same way. And, you know, just the, the names that you see and that the, the casual Georgia fan sees on Saturday – come in towards the end of the game and they're like, who the, who the hell is that guy? Like everybody was like, who the hell is Cash Jones when, when we first saw him yeah. step on the field? But like those are the guys that complete our team and, and they get time when, when we can put them in. And I again, not worried about anything. I just wanted to know uh, your thoughts. Me personally, I think that we are going to see something real special come out of Carson Beck this year. Carson Beck has set quietly waiting his turn you know anytime he's ever been put into the game he he tried to take advantage of it but we just really haven't seen a a big enough sample size I've, we haven't we haven't seen Carson Beck get rolling ever and yeah. I've just honestly I've been I've been waiting for it and now now we're going to get our first opportunity to see him uh and I honestly I think they're gonna especially with the injury to Branson not that that's going to really change the the game plan for Bobo but I, I, I think they have faith in him, and I think the way that he throws the football, we're going to take some shots. I mean, especially if, if, if our offensive line is as advertised and as Michael yep. Williams told everybody that he's not worried because he doesn't think he's going to see an offensive line better than his at all this year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I think we're going to see big things out of him. How are you feeling about our quarterback room, and do you think that it is a uh, – just a foregone conclusion that we're riding back all season. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, he's made his time right. He's, uh, he's been here for a minute, like you said. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be pretty solid. Uh, and he showed that in the few games that he played last year. I mean, shoot, he was averaging about 75% of his uh, uh, completion, you know. Um, now, he, he does have some big shoes to fill, but he's in great hands. Like you said, he's got a great offensive line. He's got a great offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Bobo was the OC here earlier, but we were putting up records left and right in the air. Oh, yeah. So a great, a great coach to have uh, under Carson Beck. And you know what? His wide receiver core, not to mention the two tight ends with Delp and Bowers, his wide receiver core is pretty solid too. Uh, Rosemary Jack Saint. We got the kid from Missouri, uh, Dominic Lovett coming over. Arian Smith still here. McConkie still here. Makai Muse, uh, right? Like he's going to have a ton, a ton of weapons. Of course, yeah. Now, well, that's that's part of the exciting part, and and for me mostly, I just you know he he did well in the the short sample size that we got to see when he got in games. I'm just saying, with give this kid a couple of games back to back and let him get really comfortable and and we'll really get to see what what he can do out there i like i'm dylan bell i'm excited to see what he's gonna do yeah. this year but like you said like the, the the list is endless our running back room's huge our wide receiver room huge tight end room i mean yep. I, we have potentially best in the country top 
five yeah. player in the country. Um, it, and uh, Delp, Delp is somebody, you know, uh, on a couple of podcasts, they're already talking about how Delp might be the, uh, the, the tight end with the most receptions because of how uh, they plan on using Bowers this year. I uh, the only thing I'm, the only thing that the the people are afraid of. So long as we don't start out the UT Martin game going run up the middle and then sweep right, I think Bobo's in good shape. <laughs> I don't think anybody will freak. Yeah, out. Um, yeah. And I think like he's going to have plenty of time to settle in. Those first like his first real test, if it's even going to be a test, is going to just be the noise at Auburn. I don't think it's going to be the play. I think it's just going to be the noise at Auburn. Uh, but we've got four games until that happens. Like he'll he'll have plenty of time to get rolling. And listen, he's he's been on the sideline for those games. He knows how loud it gets. So I don't think he's going to be shocked at all by the distractions that come on throughout a, throughout a game, especially you know at Auburn and and at Tennessee. My only concern with Beck is is he can't really tuck it and and run like Stetson did. He is that kind of pro-style pocket passer. You're probably going to hear the term clean pocket a lot this season. That's my only concern is his ability to extend plays if they kind of blow up, and and, and I'll be interested to see that. But I think the one message we got to get out to everybody too because, Chris, you know just as well as I do, we have those bridge-jumping fans out there that, you know, if Beck doesn't <laughs> shine in his very first out, right. if we don't drop, you know, uh, 94 points, and he doesn't throw for eleven touchdowns. They're going to be putting the billboard up, saying, "Oh, let's 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 get rid of him. Let's change him out." He, you know, and and yeah. and this thing is, this is what we have to remind everybody too. Carson Beck is not Stetson Bennett in any way, shape, or form. Okay, guys, let's remember that he's not Stetson Bennett. You can't compare him to Stetson. You can't expect the same thing from him that we got out of Stetson. He's his own man. He's his own player. He's got to stand on his own two legs. So I don't want to hear any of this garbage either. Uh, let, let, let's let the man get out there and prove himself and and show us. And I got to tell you, even the guys at the four-letter word uh, uh, sports station, there's been some of them that have whispered Heisman already. They're like, hey, this guy yeah. has just been waiting. That's all he's been doing. He's been chomping at the bit. He's he's very in, patient. He's in a program. He's waited his time. And, and a lot of fans, too, are like, God, wait a while. You know, Stetson Bennett, we're not saying he wasn't great, but the guy was a walk-on. He just had tenacity and, and, and willpower, and he, and he willed himself into yeah. that position. And this guy's a real quarterback. We've got ourselves a real dyed-in-the-wool passer. Where do you see? Yep. So that's, that's the only and, thing I want to say is, is just I'm worried about him extending plays, and I'm worried about our fan base maybe uh, pushing the button on him a little too soon and, and kind of going, uh, you know, well, you're not Stetson. That's that's about all yeah. I have to say. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to choose the fill, right? I mean, he won back-to-back titles. But Georgia fans, I mean, we've gotten spoiled to where we think we should score on every single drive and it just doesn't happen i mean i mean the first half against tech last year we started out super slow and then ended up mopping the floor with them by the end of the game i mean it's it's and and with the you know what by the way with the braves too we expect them to win every single game and when we lose one we're like wait what's going on well nothing's going on we won the series it's okay right exactly if you kind of take that comparison hey guys we're not going to win every single drive but we're going to win every single game so settle down yeah, uh, with the Braves too, and now it's like we only won four to one tonight. What's wrong with the team? Yeah, <laughs> why didn't we put up fourteen again? Um, I I want to take it back to tight end real quick. There is somebody that I uh, I'm a little bit intrigued by, and I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit this year. Do you? Uh, how do you? How are you feeling about Pierce Sperlin? I mean, listen, he's a freshman sitting behind uh, Bowers and Delk. 
bats, sure. you know. I mean, that's <laughs> you're not going to get much much playing time when you've got two big guys like that. But you know what? We've got a fairly light schedule, like I mentioned before. He's going to get in there. He's going to get some playing time. He's huge too. I don't know if you guys know this, but he's he's like six 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 seven six seven that's is bigger than man. Bowers. Yeah, that's bigger than Bowers and Delp. So. I mean, this guy is a monster. Uh, really excited to see him play. Um, it'll probably be, I mean, how many times did we get three tight ends in there last year, you know? Oh, uh, so it'll probably be, yeah, it'll probably be towards the end of some games. Um, you know, well, maybe in the first two games, it might be by halftime, you know? Uh, but just a, a solid kid. The uh, 6'7, is that what we agreed on? 6'7 first. I mean, Monster. That's Washington, Monster. Washington big right there. Yeah, after Darno, you yeah. have somebody to somebody to sit next to in between the tight ends and the offensive line to to bridge the gap. Um yeah. uh, I will tell you this. I, I know that um for me I'm not I'm not I'm used to I'm not used to seeing like this this turnover at Georgia where um we're gonna have a couple of freshmen, but we have some guys that have been on the team that like you've forgotten about, like the five stars from four years ago that you forgot about, but now it's their turn to play. I'm I'm still coming to grips with the fact that this is a real thing for us. And I look over the depth chart and I get, my God, I forgot about him. And oh man, I forgot about him. Like how are, yeah. how are, how are we doing this? It's such a great feeling to be a Georgia fan right now. And I'm looking on defense and the one thing, and I, I know his name is, it, it is synonymous with terror uh, to wide receivers everywhere, but like the idea of Javon Bullard putting on weight mm-hmm. and playing safety, like I am like that more than anything. I'm a huge Smell Mondin fan. Like I cannot <laughs> wait to see him play this year. But Javon Bullard putting on weight and playing safety with uh, Malachi Starks is something that to me is I'm, my eyes are going to be glued in the secondary just because of that. And we already have a good secondary to start with, but like that to me. I think is going to be such a huge deal, and people, people are looking at us now like almost in the the same light as Alabama, to where you know Alabama would put ten guys from defense into one draft, and you're like, well, what are they going to do next year? Well, I'm going to tell you what mm-hmm. they're going to do. Those five yeah. guys that have been sitting behind them are going to come in, and then you're going to learn some new names this year, and those guys are going to go into the draft the same way, and that is a uh, that is exciting. Um, I, I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to follow as closely as we do. Who are some guys on the defensive side of the football you think the the casual Georgia fan or or the really, really busy Georgia fan might need to pay attention to this year? Yeah, oh, man, I, I tell you, I, I look at the depth chart like, like you um, and a lot of those guys that played last year, I mean, it's like too deep still, you know? Um, I mean, when you look at the safety or the secondary, right, we still have Bullard, Starks, uh, Dan Jackson's coming back. I don't know if you guys remember Dan Jackson from two years ago, but he's coming back. Loved it. Uh, covered him when he was at North Hall. Thought he was an awesome player. Tyke Smith's still there. Lasseter, right? Like, there's still a ton of guys uh, on the front seven. Brenton, Stackhouse, Walthour, Logue. I mean, man, these are guys that got – a lot of starting time last year that are coming back, like you said. Uh, now, where I see, you know, some of the the younger guys, the underclassmen, it's probably like in the linebackers, right? So uh, we've got a couple of kids, Madden, uh, Lightsey, um, Allen, 
um, that I could probably see getting in there and, and raising some havoc. But I mean, if you look at the, the linebacker core, man, there's maybe two or three that are junior. Everybody else is uh, sophomore freshman. Uh, so expect to see uh, a lot of new numbers on those in that linebacker crew. Um, and like you said, it, we're at the point with Georgia where we used to say next man up, but not really believe it. Like, oh God, who's the next man up? Now it's, no, I can't wait to see who the next guy is. So it's, expect, it's those, expect to oh, see oh, some good linebackers. Yeah, no, I, I'm yeah. out there with you. And now you look, you, it's, it's all over the board now. And I think it's because, you know, the way that, I mean, recruiting has always been a big deal, but with social media and the way everything is now, uh, recruiting is is just, it's everywhere. And having a top three class every year with real high profile guys from all across the country, you know, it's like you get these guys recruited, you get them in, you're excited about them. And then as soon as they're in and they start playing, then you get really excited about the next group of guys. Because when it comes to recruiting, they're focused on so much. And once they're at Georgia and they're not number one on the, depth chart and you don't see them in the game as much you kind of I don't want to say lose interest but they're just uh, out of sight out of mind for a little while um, yeah unless unless you're the the Michael Williams and the Malachi Starks who are just undeniable and and have to get in there and then you look at some of the guys that we have like this um, Pemba and and these guys that are coming in right now and you said uh, who'd you say Madden Madden I can't I'll, I keep hearing his name I keep reading about him I can't wait to see him on the field. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is somebody I can't wait to see again this year. Like that, to me, I think he might be a, just a, a a huge. If if he stays healthy this year, he's a it's a huge deal for us. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things too, where you know, the whole world, and not, I say the whole world, but the national media who seems to have something against the state of Georgia. Uh, would like to see <laughs> they're already tired of us you know Georgia yeah. wins and, and the Braves win and then Georgia wins again and and now they're tired of us again so everybody wants to talk about talk about Alabama and I honestly like it it's great I love it I love seeing the fact that you know we have guys that were four and five star guys coming in here highly touted and I don't want to say couldn't hack it but didn't fit the mold of what we built here and are now transferring out we have Alabama taking guys from us in the transfer portal that are going there to get playing time. We've got Jermaine Burton started it, and I was like, I was so annoyed at first, and then honestly it made me smile after the fact because I realized what it meant, what it actually meant that Major Burns is starting at LSU right now, that Barry mm-hmm. Alexander is starting at USC, and oh, what a great first game he had. Uh, and nothing against yeah. the kid because he is a kid, but like it's just it's funny to me to see what we're building and, and the stuff that, like, would normally bother people about, you know, high-profile guys like that leaving, to me, I'm like, man, I can't believe that Kirby has built this to the point where, like, if these kids aren't all the way in and they leave, we're not, we're not actually losing anything. But what we're seeing is they can go get playing times at schools we used to be afraid of. And it is, it's an yeah. incredible feeling as a Georgia fan. And I, I, the way when I, I'm scrolling down the depth chart right now, talking to you, and I'm just looking at it like it's not, it's not stopping anytime soon. The 24 class is never. The 24 class is going to be amazing, and we're watching, we're watching five star transfer or flips to 
to Auburn, to Missouri, to Alabama, and it, it's still no big deal. We're still sitting at the number one slot, and these guys were predicted to come to us. So, I man, I can't get over the fact that this is where we are right now, and while it would be super disappointing to not be the first team ever to three-peat, like it, the future is so, so bright for us. Well, you know what the capstone on this is going to be, right? And it's not a third national championship. I think the capstone that Georgia needs, where, where people will probably finally sit down and shut up, is, is we need the best version of Alabama possible. Because still, they go, oh, well, Menchie got hurt. Oh, oh Williams. Oh, whatever. They made all these excuses. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, I hope Nick Saban is back. I hope his rebuilding yeah. year is over. Because what I want and you know what? is I want a piece of Alabama and look at everybody and go, hey, they brought the best thing they had. Shut the fuck up. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't ever want to hear that because we just sat here and talked about the depth charts of two of Georgia and of Bama who have the next guy up every time. Every time there's someone else behind them. So I don't want to hear it. And by the way, Georgia had a bunch of freshmen on that team that beat Bama. So I don't want to hear it. And by the way, Tyler Simmons was onside. So fuck yes. off. Yes. Very much onside. Yes, <laughs> but sir. But I tell you what, listening to you guys talk, I mean, it really, I, I, tell me, either one of you, tell me the chink in the armor. I know I said I had a, uh, an issue, not really an issue, but a concern with how he can extend plays and use his feet and his legs. But, I mean, it seems like on defense, it's just business as usual. The offensive line, the running back room, the tight ends, the wide receivers, like, now, the more I talk about it, my confidence is growing, and I, and I see us all in a suite somewhere on Kirby Drive in Houston in January. <laughs> but like, try really hard for It'd be me. Fitting, you know, it? Oh God, yes, God, yes. Uh, it's it's well, the stars are aligning, it would seem. But really, rack your brain for a minute and and tell me the chink in the armor. I mean, is it just that maybe somehow Kirby can't get his kids back up again and can't get them motivated? You hear Kirk Herbstreit no. all the time about how Kirby has this great ability to relate to these younger players and this newer style and breed of players because it ain't like it used to be. These guys are very different, and he just knows how to kind of corral things. And, and I mean, get, try to think of one. If you can't, you can't. But I'm just I'm, right now I'm just trying to be that Georgia fan that's just, just trying to be, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of devil's advocate. Like, But sh- show me the chink in the armor. Because right now, yeah, besides, uh, besides Beck, who I think is going to be fine, I can't think of anything right. else. Uh, I don't. I don't have a concern about Kirby and getting the players up to play. Uh, he does a hell of a job. Uh, but listening to him just talk to these kids, uh, yeah. That I mean, it, that's not going to be a question at all. Um, honestly, like other than Beck, right? Like if Beck goes down, that we might have an issue. Uh, but man, it might be it might be the running backs. But then again, we've got so many of them, right? There's one of those guys is bound to be awesome. Maybe. Maybe this year we just don't have uh, explosive plays, right? And we just, uh, you know, dink our way down the field to get a touchdown. I don't know. I mean, we maybe we're just so spoiled now and we just don't see it. Uh, but like you mentioned on defense, it's, it's business as usual. I think offense, there's not much new. I know uh, Bobo had a good hand in the offense last year as well. Uh, and it's not like he hasn't done it before, right? So, uh Man, I, the only chink, I, and I think I might agree with you, would be like, how does Beck do as a full time starter? But if he wasn't good, he wouldn't be the starter. 
I, I would also guess that, that that's probably more of a just a, a question mark rather than a chink in the armor because even e- even a game manager Beck can win a national championship with the team around him. Alabama did it a couple yeah. times. But yep. so, like, I wouldn't even call it, a, it. It's funny to me in my brain. All I can think of is like uh, a job interview, and they ask you your strengths and weaknesses, and your weakness. <laughs> you get to your weakness, and you're like, "My weakness is I just care too much." And you know, that's why you're looking at this, and I'm like, "Well, do we have too much talent? Is that our weakness? We just have too many guys we really want to play out there because it's just a, a list of names that I can't wait to watch play football." Um, and I yeah. I can't believe I forgot to mention this because I just don't know. I I hear his name a lot. I just don't know in what capacity we will see him. Jonel Aguero is somebody that I am like I'm super stoked to see play football. Um, but hopefully we don't see a lot of them because everybody stays healthy and you know he he just gets to wait his turn like everybody else. Um, but uh, sure, if Beck if Beck doesn't work out as we thought he would, I guess trying to trying to figure out what else to do or what the next move is. That that could yeah or, I mean the next move would be Gunnar Stockton or Vandergrift right but it's it's how ready are those kids to to play at this level both being sophomores right a hundred percent so that'd be the that would probably be my biggest concern well I I do want to take a small left turn just real quick because my ADH brain I don't want to forget and I've thought about it a couple of times and I would be remiss if we did not talk about this but Georgia did lose. A uh, member of the family uh, this week, kind of over the weekend, uh, you, you could argue that he's up there in the Bulldog Hall of Fame because he's responsible for all our wonderful mascots, but the Bulldog Nation did lose Mr. Sonny Siler. Uh I believe he made it to about 90 years old. If he wasn't 90, he was close, but just wanted to get that out there and uh, wish him and his family, uh, you know, all the best and, and let them know that we're thinking about him. And uh, he really is up there, you know, when you think about uh, all-time Bulldogs, you got to tip your hat to Sonny real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, super, super nice guy. Always smiling. I mean, he, I mean, everyone's always smiling when they're in Stanford Stadium anyway, right? But, I mean, every time you see him smiling. And he was so good with Ugga and letting people come up just to take pictures with him. I mean, he could have, you know, set him off to the side and said, nope, like, we can't have anyone take pictures. But, no, no, he was so willing to let people just come up and, and see the dog. Um, just a, a great overall guy. Yes, indeed. Um, I guess I I have so many questions and so many things I want to talk about <laughs> when it comes to to our dogs. I You said, you know, the, the sights and sounds of playing Auburn might be Beck's first test, and I'm really – I'm looking at the schedule, and I don't see anything till you know Ole Miss and Tennessee. And I, I not that I think Ole Miss is going to be uh, a super huge test for us. It's just it, it's Lane Kiffin, so you know it's going to be something new and something interesting. And then, man, I I don't know who do you though think is going to come out of the West because I have a sneaking suspicion I'm I'm going to be all eyes on the TV Sunday night watching LSU FSU because. I think actually LSU is probably going to come back out of the West again this year. But uh, what do you think about the West Western Conference this year? Yeah, uh, good, good, uh, good question. Um, I mean, you can easily chalk in Bama or LSU, right? Yep. Um, yeah the the thing that might get LSU is the fact that it's at Bama this year. 
Uh, that's going to, I think, decide the SEC West. Uh, and, you know, it being at Bama, Bama losing to them, uh, what was it, the last play last year? Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna be gunning for LSU. Um, but, I, I mean, really, I think it's one of those two teams. It's Bama or LSU. I don't see anybody else up to that level yet. Just like I don't see anyone else in the East up to Georgia's level yet. No, they're not. He's not even and close. Can, and you can tell those. You can tell those Tennessee fans to take it. Yeah, yep. You get your quarterback can throw the ball a country mile, but it's. I mean, i again, we being logical football fans trying to find a chink in the armor, <laughs> well, and we're I, not. We're not finding it. I don't. I don't. I don't see that one person is going to make that much difference for Tennessee. It's not one person, and I'll tell you, it's going to be a hundred and one thousand people. That is, yeah. that's going to be Carson Beck's. I mean, his test is he is he strong enough? Is he poised enough? Is he ready? Because you know Tennessee's pissed. They are mad, yeah. mad, mad. Not only for losing in Georgia, but getting their ass kicked by Rattler and the Gamecocks. They are bringing everything. I mean, they are yeah. they are bringing everything into that stadium. It's already sold out. It's it's going to be a fucking madhouse. It is gonna that's gonna be more electric than the Bama game. I'm telling you, they want a piece of Georgia so bad. They want to knock them off the stoop so bad that they're not even gonna have to worry about the team on the field. Carson Beck needs yeah, to start I, getting getting worried about that that fan base because they're gonna they're gonna try to get at him. They're gonna try to be so loud to where he can't hear himself think. That's the test. That's that that's the yeah, actual chink in the armor right there. Yeah, and, and because of the coaching and because of the experience he already has, he's probably not going to care too much about the fans. I mean, the only reason you said it, the only reason Tennessee fans are saying that they can win this game is because it's in Knoxville. And there's there's some truth to that, but like we said, Tennessee's not on Georgia's level. Tennessee had their best run in what, forever last year until the end of the season, right? And when they got to Georgia, they shit the bed. And I don't want to hear the, oh, well, it's because it was in Athens. No, we dominated, dominated that game from start to finish. I mean, you can look at the spread this year and know that Tennessee isn't there yet, right? Like, in similar games, Georgia's favored uh, 24 points against South Carolina. Um, Tennessee's not that much. Uh, Florida, I know I was looking at this earlier today, Georgia's favored by 21.5 points against Florida. Tennessee's favored by 7.5. Right, we are eight and a half point favorite at Tennessee. That way, point eight and a half is to be a road dog. A lot. If we were playing in Athens, that would be two touchdowns easily. Now, I'm not saying that means we're going to win. I'm just saying you guys barely beat a Bama team that you honestly should have lost to, and you got crushed by Georgia. And talking about uh, you know Joe Milton and being able to throw it a country mile, UGA is an all around complete team where Tennessee is going to have to rely on specific individuals to make special plays to be us. That's what's going to happen. But they're not on our level. They're yeah, not. 100%. And that's why, that's why I I mean, I've been to Neyland a couple times, and it is a loud, loud place. Oh, I love it. I That's one of my favorite places to go oh, in the SEC, hands down. The, hands down. The first time I went there, I was like, why the hell did it take me so long to get here? This place this is kind of awesome. Uh, but it's one of those things, and and like you said, like I'm not, I'm less worried about how Carson Beck reacts to the crowd um, than anything else. I, I'm I'm more concerned with like uh, our defense is uh, you you don't have a name like Jalen Carter this year. You might by the end of the year have a name like Jalen Carter, but we knew Jalen Carter coming into the year. 
because people kept talking about that amazing defense that we had and how the best player on that defense was probably still on the football team. So you just had this idea of a superhero from your previous defense still there, and he's going to help bring along the rest of the guys. Now the rest of the guys are coming through to play, and people don't know these names. I know these names, you know these names, and we're just waiting to see who turns into that uh, that Jalen Carter this year, who turns into the undeniable force this year. And uh, there's quite a few names. There's quite a few names in, in, in every level that could turn out to yep. be you know, a top 10 draft pick in the NFL draft or can be that special, you know, game breaker for us. And I, I'm just, I'm not worried. I'm literally not worried. It's the weirdest feeling in the, I try to stay cautiously optimistic because I don't, that, that drop from my, my perch up here would be very, very, very painful because it's quite hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I can tell you is this is the guys that have gone on, you know, uh, half of them are in Philadelphia. But the guys that have left, they're still vested. They still have an interest yeah. in this team, and they still want to see, even though they're not a part of it, they still want to see him hoist that third one. So if you don't think there's not going to be some texts in the locker room after the game from these guys going, hey, I was watching, you guys need to tighten it up, you guys need to do this, you guys need to do that. They set the standard. Those guys were the, laid the foundation for this dynasty that is being constructed, and they're, you know, come hell or high water, they'll be damned if they let – Somebody yeah. take that away. You know what they started. They, they're all they always leave a message, and they're always gonna. And Kirby's even said it. He said these guys come back with a message, and they all look at everybody and they point around the room and they go, "Hey, don't fuck this up. You don't want to be the guy that yeah. fucks this up. Do you want to be that guy? I don't. Yeah, think I'm you not. Do, you know. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried. Like Kirby's built such a great team, such a great almost dynasty, right? If you want to call it that, yet uh, that I'm not worried. Am I anxious? Yes. Will I be a little nervous come game time? Yeah, but everyone is, right? On both sides of the ball, they'll be a little anxious. Butterflies are going, right? But here's the thing. If we lose to Tennessee, again, which I don't think happened, we still end up in the SEC championship game. We do. That's not going to be Tennessee's first loss. They have to go play A&M, and then the, the week right after, or maybe there's a bye week in between, they have to go to Bama. All right? Like, they're going to have probably two losses, maybe even three. Who knows? I mean, they've got to go to Missouri. We all know how crazy that can be. Uh, they got to go to Florida. I mean, I don't know why we're all of a sudden circling Tennessee like that's going to decide the SEC. Guys, we could be going into that game going, hey, win or lose, we're still in the game. So go ahead, beat us. We could be now, going to Tennessee what, and they Tennessee... might say, let's get Giovanni out there for a couple of snaps, you know? <laughs> no, that's okay. Like, I... <laughs> No, let's not do that. That'd be a disaster. But I mean, no. And and here's what Tennessee is going to say, right? If we lose the Tennessee and then lose the SEC championship game, they're going to be like, "Oh, we're the reason that you guys aren't in the playoffs." And then, no, that's that's not true. Actually, if we had won the SEC game, we would have still been in. So you're you're not the reason. So uh, now I think we I think we go into Tennessee honestly, and I I don't even think um, they're fighting for the East at that point. Yeah, it's it. To me, it's we circle Tennessee because that's the only thing on our schedule. We don't we don't have anything else. We need to travel. We need to travel, man. Hey, don't hey don't underestimate uh, going to Vandy. All right, being in Nashville, I circle that game every other year because going to Nashville is a hell of a time in front of twenty eight thousand Commodore fans because they hey, couldn't get the hey, stadium built on time. 
And we only and we got one thing on our mind is get the game over with and head down to Broadway. Yeah, well, I will tell you this: uh, Bama, Tennessee. That's my lead pipe lock of the year. Oh, Nick Saban. Is, I mean, go ahead and put your money on the tide now. Nick Saban's going to yeah. whip their ass. He's pissed. And yeah. another thing yeah. people have been saying too is Nick Saban is in a good mood this year, and he hasn't been. But yeah. Nick Saban could go one and eleven this year as long as he gets his piece of Tennessee and Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I'm telling you. Tennessee has they're walking into a buzzsaw. They have no idea. No idea. I I completely agree with that. Uh I I'm I mean, good for them for holding into the game or staying in the game last year and coming out with a, a win, but I didn't I I think the only reason they won that game was because, yeah, maybe the fan base. Not the saying of Tennessee and Athens, right? You didn't lose that game because of the fan base. You lost the game because we beat the shit out of you guys. <laughs> but in Knoxville against Bama, no, you guys lost that or won that game probably because if that game was played in in Tuscaloosa, you're not winning that game. And this year, it's in Tuscaloosa. So good luck. Yeah, they're going down and they're going down hard. And uh, you know, I, I I guess, man, I just can't wait. Do we have a kickoff time yet? I haven't looked. Uh, are we? What time? Yeah, are we six p.m. Oh man, we yeah, uh, six p.m. That night game started off. Yeah, man, we don't get a lot of those. Uh, when's the last time we had a good night game in Athens? It's been quite a bit. Might have been the Notre Dame. It was. Might have been the Notre Dame game, right? It was. They, and that's when they released the red lights and everything like that. The yep. whole new system. And then we just, you know, it sucks being such a great SEC team. And you get optioned to 330 every weekend and you can't use your lights. But it is what it is. We'll take the good with the bad on that one. But, yeah, it's uh, the lights will be on. Yeah, we've got uh, 6 o'clock, then noon against Ball State, 3.30 in South Carolina. And then the only other one that's scheduled is uh, obviously Georgia, Florida is 3.30 as well. Oh, yeah, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I, I am, I haven't been in a long time, but I keep getting asked by Donnie to, to go down there and witness it. And, and uh, I'm like 1 in 10 at Georgia, Florida, so I think I'm going to steer clear of that. <laughs> I have a terrible, terrible... Yeah. A guy named Spurrier was there though when I was going a lot. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I uh, Tennessee. I mean, yeah, Florida is going to be an absolute train wreck this year, though. I, I got them at like four and eight. Well, as long as they beat Tennessee, that's all I care about. <laughs> right. Just cannibalize no. each other. But you should, you should come down to Jacksonville. Uh, my wife's coming. Donnie uh, and Ash are coming. A couple other people are coming as well. well uh, we're having a good time. We'll see how it plays out. Now, Donnie would tell you. He he wouldn't care if Georgia went two and ten every year as long as they beat Tennessee and as long as they beat Florida. He doesn't care about yeah. nothing else. But man, yeah. I, I tell you, I, say, I want three. <laughs> oh man, I want three so bad. I, I want three for the simple fact that if any SEC fan ever tries to shit talk me or trash talk me again, I just want to look in their face and hold up three and just shut them down. Because if the, if yeah. you're listening and it, for whatever reason and you're not a Georgia fan. No one, I, I'm telling you, I've told this to Mark a million times, no one will be able to say anything to us until somebody wins four in a row. You can't. You yep. can't. If Georgia marches into Houston and takes home a third national title in a row, that's it. We're done. Not Florida, not Bama, not not the great Nick Saban. Has he, has he won three in a row? I don't think so. Did no, Spurrier win three in a row? I don't think so. Urban Meyer? I don't think so. Vince Dooley? We know he didn't. Pat Dye? No. The great pumpkin up there in Knoxville, he didn't do it either. No one's done it. That's the thing. That's what I want to put yep. in people's heads and drill into your skull right now. That if we and good God almighty, you're gonna have to put up with us obnoxious Georgia fans for at least the next five years. Ever. 
you know, <laughs> forever because we've waited so long. <laughs> you will not be able to shut us up because of, and this is what I told people uh, a long time ago, uh, because for some reason they think Georgia's just now become relevant, but I'm like, Georgia's been good for about 25 years now. I mean, really good. They're one of three teams that average 10 wins over 25 years. I think the other one's Oklahoma, and one of them, the other one's not Alabama. I can't remember who the other one is. That's beside the point. Um, they just, I, And I would tell people, I was like, you, be, you better be careful how much uh, you pile on, because uh, we got a guy. And he's coming. And this is pre-Kirby Smart. I said, there's a guy over in Tuscaloosa that's coming. And he's and he's bringing the blueprints yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. And he's going to implement them. He's going to put his own style and flavor on it. And you're in for a shitstorm. So just be careful what you what you say. And they still piled yeah, it on. I- and they still piled it on. And they still just talked trash so much that now, well, boys, buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah. I got a dump truck. I'm going to dump on you. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. We we knew ahead of time, and the second South Carolina asked him for an interview, would we hire him two weeks later? You know, we knew what we were doing. He wasn't getting out of there without coming back home. And uh, and we got to watch it all unfold before us. Everybody was a little apprehensive up front. And then, sure enough, let his first recruiting class come through, and and here we are. Here we are reaping the benefits year after year with no end in sight. And and Georgia— has some insanely, obscenely wealthy alumni. Just so you know, not that you didn't know, but a lot of people out there may not know that. It is a very, very rich fan base. We, we Georgia has graduated some guys that have done, and gals that have done very well in the business world. And, and in, the, in the times we live in now with NIL, we can easily uh, drum up some, some great uh, business NIL deals for these players to sweeten the pot and say, you want to come here? We've already won. Just think, I mean, good Lord, I want to ask this question. If Georgia takes it right. in Houston, how good are they and for how long? I'm going to say at least the next 12 years. That's the ripple effect oh. three in a row. We get, to, we get to go on a run like Alabama, about 12, 15 years, yeah. just dominating football. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think that was the talk last year too, right, is, is, that, is Georgia becoming the next Alabama? Uh, and I think they're getting to that point. I mean, if we do it again, yeah, you would you would think that's the case. Uh, now, it's going to be very interesting next year when the playoffs open up and how long can these teams go. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a chance you play, what, four playoff games uh, just to win it all. Um, so we'll see, you know, how they're tested through that. But, yeah, I think I think Georgia's uh, primed to be a a damn good dynasty. I got another one for you uh, because you're inside the program. I'm sure you've had the pleasure of shaking Kirby's hand. I'm sure you've probably talked to him on more than one occasion. Does he seem like the type of guy to you that would answer the NFL phone if it rang? I fucking hope not. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, I think, man. Honestly, like, I, like I said, I hope not, but. I think with everyone, there's that, you know, that competitiveness in your mind that goes, can I do this at the next level? Um, and, you know, as kids are getting older, I wonder if he, he flirts with it just because it's not as demanding as being a college head coach. There's no recruiting that's involved, you know? Um, so I wonder if he steps away from that or if he's just someone that enjoys coaching, um, you know, guys into uh, you know boys into men and uh, getting them to the next stage in their career i don't i don't know 
Uh, I can tell you he's he's an awesome guy. I can tell you he's super intimidating. And uh, Shock will make fun of me about it, too, because when we go down there at the end of the games, I say nothing. I say nothing while we're sitting in the room. Um, and Shock always laughs at me and says, you should say something to him. And usually it, it comes across like, hey, good game, coach. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, and I, I hope not because I, I like what he's doing here. Well, I look at it, too. I, I You know, when the talk was uh, about Munkin leaving to go to the NFL, and I'm like, now, you know, people give you a lot of credit for being the architect of this offense and, and, and helping Stetson be Stetson and all this stuff. I'm like, I know Stetson's leaving and I, I know the NFL is something where you've dabbled before and maybe, maybe something that you have an itch for, but you have an opportunity to do something nobody's ever done before. So in my brain, I was like, how, how could you leave? Like, why would you leave? And then when he took the job with the Ravens, I, you listen to him in interviews and you could, like, it just makes sense when you hear him talk. Like, okay, that seems like a very logical thing for you to say. And the way you're saying it, I can see why you would leave for the NFL. I do not get that one bit from Kirby. I feel like Kirby is so bought in and so dialed in with what he's doing, which is why which is why he's surrounding himself with his people, too. You get Champ yeah. in there. You got, you got Bobo in there. And all these... Na- all these naysayers that think that there's some sort of like time paradox where the Mike Bobo that you were upset about playing or being our offensive coordinator back in the day has not grown or learned one single thing from that moment until right now when he takes over for this Georgia football team. Those people just need to just stop. Just stop. You Find a hobby. Yeah. Find something else other than football to pay attention to. But th- this man has been a head coach. He's done... He's done lots of things in the world of football, ups, downs, whatever. But he's he's learned and he's grown this entire time. And he's working for a much different man in the driver's seat now. Man, I tell you, if Kirby yeah. for one second thought that Mike Bobo was a liability at offensive coordinator or in any way endangered what they're trying to build at Georgia, he wouldn't be in the driver's seat. Of course. Period. End of story. And, I, and I'm sure yeah. Kirby probably went to Todd and said, hey, what do you think? I'm sure Todd Munkin signed off, so I'm not worried because here's the thing. If you're a Georgia fan and you think Bobo sucked when he was here the first time around, you're fucking drunk. They, they had a very prolific yeah. offense. Oh, they put up no, they were they great. Put up points. So yeah. I don't know what team you were watching. And, and the, here's the thing yeah. now. He's got better personnel <laughs> to deal with now than before. That's, that's the only point I'll make. Yeah, I mean, I think and what plays into – our favor, I guess, and what Kirby to, to say here is that he's home, right? If if Kirby didn't play for UGA, he probably probably would go on to the NFL, right? But I mean, him being a Georgia player, him coaching and now taking Georgia to a level that they've never been at, right? I mean, he's he's like a superhero in Athens, you know? Like well, why why would you he He'll went, never he pay went, for another one? Yeah, he went from sitting in line to take over or I say take over, uh, but at the most high-profile college football team in the country. And then he went to his alma mater and turned it into the most high-profile team in the country. And and now yeah, so that's what, what it, his job is. Yeah, so let me ask you guys this. So was it Saban or was it Kirby? Because Kirby's been able to do it in multiple places. 
So well, in right, but Saban Saban has as well, right? He didn't he didn't do. It. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, 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 no. But no, I'm, I'm I'm with you because the knock because everybody has to have a knock, right? So the knock on Kirby was oh, he was a D coordinator for Nick Saban. Nick Saban was calling all the plays. Nick Saban was doing anything. Oh, there there was never a question in my mind when we got Kirby about whether he was a good coach or not, right? if his what his football acumen was so like that was never even a a question in 2012 when we lose when when it's Georgia Alabama in the SEC championship game uh to decide who gets to go beat the shit out of Notre Dame for the national championship right that game yep. we lose that game and immediately after that game Mark Rick's on the hot seat right and that's the that's the first time I heard anybody mention Kirby Smart as the next coach at the University of Georgia. And I was like, damn, that's a really intriguing thought. Now, you know, you do your due diligence, you talk, you interview, you 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 reach out, you find out what's going on there. And and turns out Kirby's not ready. He's not ready to leave yet. Okay? So we go back to the drawing board, right? We go back with Rick and we do our thing. And then that that leads us to when Kirby now is ready. And Kirby takes his interview with South Carolina. And we're like, oh, shit, you're ready now? Okay, great. Never mind. Don't worry about that interview that you're doing. You're coming home. We'll figure out another place for this guy. He can go retire in Miami. Everything's going to be just fine. Exactly. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll put it. I'll lay it out here. I'll lay you my Kirby Smart story out. I'll, I'm going to pat myself on the back because probably three or four years before Mark Rick was gone, I said I want him. I said that's the guy we need. He's the guy that's going to do it. And a lot of people will say, "Well, Saban uh, taught Kirby how to coach." No, he didn't. If Kirby was not a good football coach, he never would have been involved with that program. He was already a very good football coach. His father is a legend down in Bainbridge. He's a legend in the Georgia high school football community. So the guy knew football. He knew how to coach. Here's what Georgia fans can thank Nick Saban for. He showed Kirby how to be an administrator. He showed him how to be a facilitator. He taught him how to be the CEO of a college football program. He gave him that roadmap, and then he gave him the blueprint and said, there you go, kid. And that's what Kirby's done and and. None of what Kirby's doing coaching-wise, I don't. I mean, of course he probably learned a few tricks from Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach that has ever drawn breath in his lungs, period. End of story. But he didn't teach him everything he knows. We are definitely blessed that Kirby Smart spent time in Tuscaloosa, but the biggest thing is he taught him how to run a program. He taught him how to delegate and take care of business, and, and Kirby didn't need any more competitive fire. If you ever watched him play football, I mean, the guy's a – he, you know, they talk about guys whose engines are always running, his motor's always running. Guy's on, you know, 47, 48 years old, and he's still got the, uh, you know, the 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 energy of a of a teenager. So, and all those accidentally leaked uh, locker room speeches. Yeah, and my, you you can't see my air quotes on accidentally leaked. Um, but yeah, I he that dude, I, I have no question about it, and that that's always the thing is Nick Saban did probably just honed him in. And showed him you get to right. learn, you get to see how that guy runs the entire program from your seat, and you get better and better and better. Your job becomes easier and easier and easier, and then you're watching the guy run the company, and now you're like, oh, okay, I I would like to run my own company. <laughs> exactly. And just so <laughs> happens, just so happens, you get to come home to where you're comfortable, and you know the expectations yeah. are super high. And guess what? In the right the right time frame too, you inherit. You inherit a wonderful team, right? Wonderful team. Not your guys. Um, so you you still have some work to do there. And so you you bring guys in that are your guys. 
you have an amazing recruiting class and one after another and you have you know a couple years that aren't that aren't the greatest they don't end how you want them to end but guess what happens you keep going you keep going you keep going and we we talk about it all the time like uh the first national championship the beginning of that season it was like somebody flipped a light switch and the from the very first game you're like oh shit there's something very very different going on in Athens right now and I can't put my finger on it and then every game I I went to the Arkansas game that year and I'm like they, these guys are absolutely for real like like there's like it's scary like they're it's just a it was it's all business out there like it like yeah. I was I was I stopped being concerned after that Arkansas game about I mean obviously I'm a little nervous about everything because I still have PTSD from being a Georgia fan for all these years but it's <laughs> it, it is what it is and but now now the business is running very well and I man the the forecast is is sunny <laughs> it's very yeah. sunny absolutely and man chris uh we're we're winding it down here but i just want to thank you one more time for dialing in and uh sitting in with us uh but we got to get you in studio because uh as soon as i if you'll allow me as soon as i take a picture with those rings on my finger and send them to my friends and family they're gonna go who the fuck is that guy how do you know him uh but and our next mission is to get the old man on here uh got to get him down here because oh my goodness that would be uh just something absolutely spectacular to sit and talk uh wrestling with him for a couple of hours but i and i know i know he'll come on because his podcast is absolutely funny and the biggest shocker uh to me was always you know seeing your old man growing up he was very straight laced very kind of straightforward but then you get on his podcast and he's dropping f-bombs and (laughs) just going off and uh, Man, but he's a great guy, and I hope we get him on. But more importantly, I'm ready to get you back on, maybe maybe midway through the season. But I'll tell you this: I am uh, I'm going to be down in Athens for South Carolina. I'm going to be down there for Ole Miss because you don't get an Ole Miss in Athens very often. Uh, that's a nope. that's a really good game. So maybe we'll catch yep. you down there. I'm going to try to drag that old man from Woodstock down to a couple of games. He's uh he's he's all all goshing me right now. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. but we're going to drag him down yeah. there. And yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're yeah, gonna... I, I doubt, I doubt it. We, him and I were talking about it the other day. I doubt he'll make it out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's getting harder and harder as he's uh, getting on in years. But uh, at the very least, we'll meet up uh, not on a Saturday, and and uh, we'll hang out and watch some uh, something going on down. We'll get into some kind of trouble down there and uh, drink too many beers. But Chris, once again, hey everybody, we thank you for listening. Chris Giovanni, spotter for the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in all season. Listen to Mr. Scott Howard. The whole team is great. Sometimes I turn off the TV and just listen to the radio. But get down to the game. Keep your heads up. Man, it's going to be one hell of a ride this year all the way to Houston. And, and, and I, after this podcast, I, I think you've sold me, Chris. I, th- I think I'm there. I think I'm, it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion. Let's book the rooms. Let's book the flights. Because we'll be hoisting another one off Kirby Drive sometime in January. And, Chris, until next time, brother, we'll see you. And thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Chris. I pre- appreciate it. Go dogs, guys. Go dogs. And there you have it, Mr. Chris Shivani, guys. Just once again, we want to thank you. Man, what a great couple of episodes we've had and, and a great couple that are coming out. Uh, uh, Will McFadden, we had him for the Falcons preview. We just had Chris Shivani spot her up in the booth who's with the team talking dogs football. And uh, wow. And and I didn't want to bring this up while uh, he was on because I didn't want to make it about him because we wanted to make it about Chris. But you probably heard the last name Chris Shivani. And so where do I know that from? Well, Chris's father is Tony Shivani. He's a legendary wrestling announcer 
for he was WWF, he was NWA, he was WCW. He's uh, still back in the he's in the business now. I want to say with NXT, but uh, he lives locally. And uh, Chris said he would love to come down, so we're going to do our best to get on. And that's going to be a little different episode because we're not going to be talking Braves or Falcons or Dogs or anything Unless he like wants that. to. He can, we can talk about whatever whatever he yeah. wants to. Because Tony did do some baseball and basketball stuff for Georgia, but my main goal is to sit down with him. We may even do a two-hour podcast and break it up into two episodes or something, but I just want to sit down with him and talk wrestling and uh, be entertained because, man. Are you ready to watch me? Yeah, you think I love sports. <laughs> just rehashing my entire childhood with him is going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, man. We're going to talk about Starcade, the Bunkhouse Brawls, Dusty Roads, you name it. Sting versus Nikita uh, Koloff. Yeah. I have questions. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know when we're going to get him, but uh, Chris has assured us that uh, his, his father would love to come down and talk to us. But, uh, again, can't say enough about Will McFadden and Chris Giovanni coming on and lending a little credibility to this thing we're trying to build here. But more importantly, thank you, fans, for constantly tuning in. I see you. I see you on the dashboard. You're downloading them. You're listening really, from the bottom of our hearts. Not, this thing isn't going to be anything without you. So keep listening. Keep telling your friends and family. Man, get in touch with us. Uh, get you know, get on Twitter. We're on Twitter. There's our Facebook page. Uh, and honestly, right now, I've, I've failed as a uh, uh, podcast host. I can't remember our email right now. I think it's BelieveATL66 at Gmail. But seriously, we do this for you. We do this because we love it. And, man, we're just trying to build this into a brand in Atlanta, and we want you to come to us for all your Atlanta sports needs. But until next time, folks, we got some crazy weather out there. You guys stay safe. We love you. We need you. And good night. Do you believe?